0: Uh, anyway, Ken is a fabulous communicator uh, and has really been a wonderful blessing in my life personally in helping me in my ministry and I just love the time I've already been able to spend with him just running around this morning as we got back from the Westside campus and uh, sharing with him. Anyway, I spoke at his church, preached at his church a couple of months ago this morning. He is returning the favor. Would you please give it up for Mr. Ken Davis?
1: Thank you. Thank you. All right. What a delight to be in a church that drives a stake in the ground at the beginning of the service and says, this is what we believe. I love that. I absolutely love that. Because you see, if you yank up that stake, if you leave that stake there, you're free. You're absolutely free. If you yank up that stake, then you just start going, well, this is what I believe. I don't know what you believe, but whatever you believe is as good as what I believe. So that's a delight. And I love those three things at the beginning. A place to be real. You're going to see that this morning. I'm not going to mess with you, pretend to be something that I'm not, um, and so I'm just going to be me. And then to be uh, belong. And I'm preaching this morning, and I'm going to belong. And then, uh... <laughs> uh, uh <laughs> What was the other one? Become. Become. Become everything that you can possibly be. So I'm excited about those things. I'm talking this morning about when God calls. You know, it's interesting. We live in a technological era where we have become prisoners to communication. To our communication. By the way, Mark, would you take this, please? Thank you very much we become prisoners to our communication. We have to have signs up telling us when to turn our cell phones off. And even though that sign is up there in our first service, a cell phone rang in the middle of the service because we've got to be connected. We want to be, and we're always looking. I have friends that I have had to pull aside and say, unless you are present with me, I don't want to be with you. Because they're checking Twitter and Twatter and Flapper and all of the other stuff that they're doing. We're connected, we're connected all the time, we're concerned. Some of this stuff drives me crazy. I saw an ad on TV, by the way, talk about unreal. This is unreal. There is an ad on TV uh, that is representing a security company don't know if you've seen this. starts out with a mom and a little girl playing in the backyard or playing catch or something. And peeking through the fence is a sinister man who has evil intent of some kind. Have you seen this ad? He's wearing a hood and they're playing. And then they go in the house and as she goes in, she sets the security alarm and closes the door. They take only a few steps when this evil man in a hood kicks in the door and they are terrified and they begin to run and then the alarm goes off how many know what I'm talking about now the alarm goes off and of course the man goes "Ah," and runs away (laughs) unreal but the most unreal part is when she gets to the phone in the hallway and picks it up and quietly listens while a man goes, Hello, this is Broadview Security, and we just received an alarm from your house. We're wondering if there's a problem there. And she's silent the whole time, and she goes, Yes, a man has just kicked in our door. Let me tell you something. If somebody kicks in my door and the phone rings, I'm picking it up and going, Help me! <laughs> It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And then how many of us get those calls and we answer them selling something at night after you've had dinner and you've settled into a chair and the phone rings. And I don't know about you for you, but I'm 60-some years old. It takes me three or four good rocks to even get out of that chair. <laughs> And you answer the phone, and the guy goes, "Uh, I'm with XYZ Siding Company, and we just happen to be in the area, and we'd like to do a survey about your home. And it drives me nuts. This is my home. You You have invaded my privacy. You have called when I don't want to be called. And I'll be honest with you, I no longer answer those with a Christian perspective. I'm not mean. I don't think I'm mean. I remember when a guy called did that to us one time, I let him get a little ways into his spiel, and then I went, is this a joke? And it really surprised him. He said, no, this isn't a joke. And then he started over. I'm with XYZ Secure, and we're in the area. And I said, this is the cruelest thing that I've ever had happen. And I began to weep. I was just crying uncontrolled. He said, sir, what's wrong? And I said, my, my house burned down last night. I don't know how you can do this. He said, oh, I'm sorry. And he hung up the phone. Now, I'm wondering, how long did it take this man to figure out if my house burned down, how is he talking to me on the phone? We're captured. We're captured by this whole communication thing. This is kind of a sidelight, but I have to share it with you because uh, it's my granddaughter. My granddaughter is five years old. She has a little pretend cell phone. She came to her mom the other day and said, Um, do you have the devil's number? (laughs) And her mom looked at her and, you know, with that look, she's five years old. She goes, Oh, I don't want to call him. I just want to have his number. And of course, our, our talk to her was, you know what, honey? You don't need the devil's number. He's got your number. <laughs> and he'll be calling soon enough. The whole communication thing, so fascinating. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about when God calls. I don't know you. I like you because you're from this part of the country. Lived in Denver, Colorado. We played you in football. I still like you. (laughs) I like you even though you wear cheese on your head. I like you. I like you because I believe you are the heart of what this nation is all about. This is a beautiful part of the world, a beautiful part of the country. But I do know something about you. There is not a man or a woman sitting here, not a child sitting here, who has not received a call from God. You say, Well, I'm not religious. I just came out of curiosity. You have received a call from God. And this morning God is gonna remind you of that call. For some of you it may be that God has whispered in your ear, His Spirit has touched your heart with with the the command, the idea that you need to take the first steps in reconciling a relationship that has been torn apart. For some of you, it may be going to a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife and saying the words that they so desperately need to hear, I'm sorry, I was wrong. God has whispered in the ear and touched the heart of many of you to share with a neighbor or a friend the love of Jesus Christ. For someone sitting in here today, God has called you and said, I want a relationship with you. I want you to respond to me. For some of you, God has called and said that habit you have, that sin that you keep hanging on to, it's time to let go. It's time to get help. I don't know what God's call to you has been, but I know that every man, woman, and child here has received a call from God. And I'm going to tip my hand here. I'm going to tell you what this message is all about. When God calls, there are no excuses. When God calls, there is only one response. Here I am, God. Send me. Show me what to do. And I will do it. Our text today is taken from the book of Exodus the man we're talking about received a fascinating call from God. It's Moses. A real man. A man who found himself in a unique position. He was probably at the lowest point in his entire life. This man had very recently walked the corridors of, of power. He, he was one of the most powerful people in Pharaoh's court. His command was immediately obeyed. He he had hundreds and thousands of people at his fingertips who would do anything that he wanted. But when we find him, he has committed murder. He murdered a man who was mistreating some of his people, buried his body in the sand, and rather than being appreciative, his own people have, uh, have come to a point where they're almost blackmailing him. They no longer are showing any respect to him. And instead of walking the the courts of power, he now finds himself at the end of a desert watching filthy sheep. And in that position we find him when we begin reading. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, There, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, I don't know how many times we just keep trucking there, just keep reading. Yep, there was a man of God standing there and a bush caught on fire. We never think about what the emotions what might have been. We, we never think about the background. We never think that this was a real man. He had real feelings. We think of him as a Bible guy. See, he was a Bible guy. And when God called Bible guys, they responded in Bible ways. Boy, does that let us off the hook because we're not Bible people. Well, I'm telling you, I made a tape called A Wimpy Prophet, A Butane Bush and No Excuses. It talks about Moses. This man was just like you and I. In fact, my guess is that there are people more capable and ready to answer God's call sitting in this audience today than Moses was on this day. He's standing in the end of a desert and a bush catches on fire. I think in our brains we kind of think because he was a Bible guy, that didn't affect him too much. You know, he just did Bible guy stuff. Behold, a bush burneth. Give me a break. I'm telling you that if we could translate what went through his head, it would have been more like, whoa, freaketh me out. He's standing at the end of a desert. He does not have a lighter. He does not have cigarettes. The sheep are not smoking. They have no lighters. And the bush catches on fire. And he is amazed. The Bible says that he saw that the bush was burning, but, it was, but that it was not on fire. It did not burn up so he thought I'm going to go over and look at this isn't this fascinating not only does the bush catch on fire it doesn't really catch on fire it's burning but it's not burning it's not burning up, no ashes it isn't being destroyed it's just burning why did God do this? hello, why did God do this? To get his attention. It's okay to talk. There there are no snipers posted around here, are there? I love people to respond. He did it to get Moses' attention. This was God's ringtone for Moses. Wouldn't that be great to have a ringtone like that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hello. Hello. Isn't God amazing? What a creative God. Oh, he could have sent him a note, left him an email. No. He he did it this way. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to the bush, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I love this. I mean, if you're standing at the end of a desert watching sheep, And a bush catches on fire, and that doesn't get your attention. And then you go over and look at it, and the bush is burning, but it isn't really burning. And that doesn't get your attention. I'm telling you, if the bush talks to you, that will get your attention. (laughs) And God knew that. God knew that. He said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And then God said, do not come any closer he said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Why was it holy ground? Because God was there and he was talking to Moses. What has God whispered to you? When. Now when the Lord speaks, when He gets your attention, folks, pay attention. you are standing on holy ground. Moses was smart enough to understand that. he fell on his face, he hid his face from God. Because God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. He, he knew this was the all powerful creator of the universe. We answered God's or the devil's ringtone quicker than we answered God's. I think it's dangerous ground for us to press ignore when God calls us to any task. Dangerous not because He will somehow fry us on the spot, but dangerous because we miss what He intended for our life. To become, to become everything He created us to be. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying. In essence, He's saying to Moses... Yeah, I don't think he's saying it was okay for you to kill the guy, but I understand. And then he says to Moses, hey, I have come down to rescue them. What a marvelous, this is what Moses was waiting for. I have come down to rescue them. I imagine Moses' heart burst with excitement. Come on down, bring some swords. I got some people for you to meet. His people had been in agony for too long. And now God himself has said, I have come down. And then in the next breath, God says, now you go. <laughs> How did Moses respond to that? It doesn't, it doesn't tell us word for word. But you know he must have been thinking, um, just a second. I, I was standing here just a minute ago. I'd have swore you said you were coming down. Isn't it interesting that God has chosen to use us? Did God lie? Did he change his mind? No. A great preacher, E.V. Hill, preached a message on this particular passage and the title of his message was, You Are God's Answer. That's why in solving the problems that exist in our marriages, you know, we want to say, God, solve it. And God says, okay, I will come down and solve it. Now say you're sorry. No, you solve it. Tell her how bad she is. Lord, please lead my neighbor to Christ. I'm coming down. Go talk to him. No, that's Mark's job. I don't want to use Mark. You do it. You do it. God has chosen you. And you know what we do? We make excuses. If you're a note taker, I want you to take notes here. If you're not a note taker, I want you to remember this. And you will find it quite easy because we do this all the time. Here's what I want you to do. Here are the excuses that Moses made. And here are the answers that God gave to every excuse. First excuse is this. Who am I? Translation, that's what Moses said to God. Who am I? Translation, I'm a nobody. I, God, I don't walk in the quarters of power anymore. I have no political clout. I have nothing. I'm here with these stinking sheep. Nobody respects me. I killed a dude. God, who am I? The only thing I got going for me is a pretty nice looking beard and a slight resemblance to Charlton Heston. (laughs) I'm a nobody. Okay, be real. How many of you have said to God, I'm a nobody? Let me see your hands. Not me, God, somebody else. The preacher, uh, my Sunday school teacher, somebody else, somebody who's not me. When you use that excuse, this is God's answer. And it's right here in the Bible, by the way. When you say to God, I'm a nobody, God responds in this way. I know. (laughs) Oh, I love that response. (laughs) Because some of you are going, are you sure? (laughs) And other people have Bibles and they're going, I don't see that in here anywhere. (laughs) When Moses said to God, Who am I? I'm a nobody. God's response was not, I will restore you to power. I will give you great power. I'll give you a tremendous testimony. I'll send you to seminary. None of that. All God said was, I'll go with you. You know what the translation of that is? I know you're a nobody. I am a somebody. And I will go with you. You... And God, together, are a team that cannot be defeated. God is not looking for ordinary people. Sorry, God is not looking for extraordinary people. God is looking for ordinary people who will trust an extraordinary God. And the minute we start looking at Bible heroes as people that had some kind of power we don't have... Satan wins. Because then we're off the hook. And if you want to find out what kind of people they really are, read Romans or, uh, Hebrews 12, 11 and 12. The hall of faith made up of perverts and liars and sinners, all who came to a point where they just fell before God and said, okay, I will do what you want me to do. I believe in what you created me to be. We, of all people, have the Holy Spirit living within us to give us power none of these people had. And there are no excuses. So God says to Moses, I'll go with you. Now, that would blow most of us away. I don't know you, and forgive me for picking on you, but you're in the front row. You've really asked for it. (laughs) What is your name? Pardon? Dean, imagine that you were to start to go to bed tonight and you lean over to turn off the light and poof, your bedstand catches on fire. <laughs> and you're freaking out. You reach for the phone. You're going to call a fire department. But just as you grab the phone, you look over and there's no smoke. There's, no, there's just this glowing fire. Nothing's happening. Nothing else is catching on fire. And you go, well, this is unbelievable. My bedstand is burning, but it's not really burning. And you go over to look at it. Tell me your name again. Dean. And when you get over really close, your bedstand says, Dean. Dean. Is this your wife? You know she'd be going, answer it. (laughs) And somehow, Dean. I'm making some assumptions here. I'm making an assumption that you believe in God, but somehow you become convinced that this is God speaking to you. You have just seen the greatest miracle you've ever seen on the face of the earth. And the bedstand says to you, I want you to uh, teach a class. I don't know. I'm just making this up right now. I want you to teach a class in the church. I want you to help people become better husbands or better leaders or whatever it might be. And imagine, Dean, that you said, "Uh, I'm really a nobody, I'm just Dean. I sit in front in in a church, which isn't cool. (laughs) It's just me, Dean. And God said to you, I'll go with you. I think you'd get out of bed I think the two of you would decide we gotta go he'll go with us Dean just responded absolutely not Moses not the Bible guy the Bible guy comes up with another excuse so you'll go with me yes I will go with you okay but I don't know what to say. How many of you have used that one? That's Moses' next excuse. I don't know what to say. Here's the way he says it. Uh, okay, uh, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, uh, uh, the God your fathers has sent, sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Uh, what will I tell them? Is this lame or what? <laughs> tell them Dean went. you go. when our excuse is what will I tell them let me tell you what God's answer to that is I'll tell you what to say God will tell you what to say I had a little girl that was in our youth group and we challenged them to witness to their friends she came into my office tears streaming down her face I said what's wrong this girl was a fascinating little girl she said I just don't know what to do I don't know where to start tears she said i have so many friends i said why don't you just pick one and she went oh and so she wrote down the name of a friend and the challenge was to bring them to youth group and then pray that god would open the door for them to share christ she brought her little friend to youth group And Monday, she's in my office again, opened the door. She's in the chair, weeping her eyes out. I said, what happened? She said, I brought Sally to youth group. And on the way home, I was going to witness to her. And then Sally said, I I, I was scared. So I said, what did you think of youth group? I just asked her a question instead because I chickened out. And Sally said that she liked youth group and that she liked the games and everything and that she thought the speaker was great. (laughs) That was me. And then she, (laughs) she said... But then Sally said, I hated the Jesus part. And my little friend Beth froze. I mean, she's got a track in her pocket. It talks about Jesus. She's been waiting to give it to her. Now she says, I hated the Jesus part. So she decided to wait till later to witness. Hang with me here. She's not going to witness. She's just going to ask another question. So she said, why do you hate the Jesus part? And suddenly this little friend poured out in her li- the horrible story of her life she had suffered from abuse every, every single line she had ever drawn in her life where she said that's a moral line I had never crossed she had either stepped across herself or been pushed across to where she had lost all hope that she could ever be forgiven by anybody so little Beth pulled the car over and decided she'd have to witness some other day and she told her how Christ had changed her life isn't it interesting how we mess this up and it, when she was done telling her story, her little friend said, I, I'd like to know Jesus like that. And so they prayed, and she accepted Christ. Now this girl is telling me this story, tears streaming down her face. And I said, Beth, why are you crying? This is marvelous. She said, because now it's over. I said, Beth, pick another one. And she went, oh, In her senior year in high school, Beth led seven of her friends to the wonderful knowledge of God's love and forgiveness. And today, Beth still doesn't know what to say. I'm not sure she ever has gotten the track out of her pocket. God told her what to say. You can be stumbling all over your words. And God goes, that's what I needed. I didn't need a smooth presentation. I needed your presentation. You'd be gone, right? You'd, you'd, you'd be gone. God says, say this, Dean. Just say this. I, this is your speech. Here, take this. Do that. Not Moses. He's got another excuse. Okay. So you will go with me? Yes. And you would tell me what to say? Yes. Okay, what if I say that and they don't believe me? The part of Moses should have never been played by Charlton Heston. The part of Moses should have been played by Martin Short. <laughs> what if they don't believe me? Please, be real. How many of you, how many of you have ever hesitated to follow God's command to talk to somebody about Christ for fear you'll get it wrong and they won't believe you. May I see your hands, please? I have the greatest news on the face of the earth for you. God's answer to the excuse, what if they don't believe me, is this. It's not your job. Did you know that? God has called Mark to preach at this church. It is not his job to make people believe. It is his job and your job and my job to be obedient in proclaiming the good news of God's love and it is the Holy Spirit's job to draw men to himself. Everything else is manipulation. Everything else produces guilt and failure, and whatever. It's our job to be obedient. Now, God did not say to Moses, it's not your job. I want you to read this. It's—it's it's three. Read 3 and 4 of Exodus. If you don't know this story, if you're not usually into the Bible, find someone who belongs to this church and said, I want a Bible. I want to read that. They will get you a Bible. And if they don't pay for it, I'll pay for it. Read this marvelous story. Because God didn't say it's not your job. Remember, he's a creative God. He's not just a good communicator. He's a great communicator. He demonstrated it. So Moses goes, what if they don't believe me? And God goes, what is that in your hand? How many of you know this story? you see your hands? What was in his hand? A sheep stick. He had a sheep stick in his hand. And he said, it's a sheep stick. Sometimes the sheep wander away, and okay. bad sheep. <laughs> so you don't believe that if you if you really study this, there, there's some real truth to that. To save the sheep, sometimes they would do that. But anyway, he says, stick. God said, "Throw it down." You know, he was thinking, why? Now those of you who have bibles I'm wandering a little bit here because I'm trying to get you to see the reality of this and if he's thinking why you know God's going Moses throw the stick down okay there's really no need to get testy and he <laughs> he threw he threw the stick on the ground what happened to the stick folks it turned into a snake and I think most of, us, most of us think in our mind that somehow Moses then went, Behold, what was straight has become crooked, and it is moving. <laughs> no, he was a man. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Moses put his knees to the breeze and bugged out there. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> <laughs> he is gone. God had to call him back. Come here, pick up the snake. And you know Moses is going, no, you pick up the snake. <laughs> he picked up the snake. What happened? Became a stick again. Became a staff again. He suddenly got um, leprosy. And God healed him instantly of the leprosy. What God was saying to him is, don't you worry about making them believe. <laughs> I'll make them believe. Dean. Dean is gone. If you went to his house, he's already packed. His wife has gone with him. They're on their way. Not Moses. Moses has another excuse. I say, you'll go with me? Yes. And then you will tell me what to say? Yes. Okay, and then you'll bring the tricks? Yes. Yes. I don't talk good. Excuse number three, I'm not equipped. The Bible tells us that Moses, or uh, scholars tell us that it's very possible Moses stammered all of his life. He had a difficult time talking. I'm sure he exaggerated that when he responded to God with this excuse. I I don't really, I'm not good. Mm, uh, See? (laughs) And God's response to that was this. Who made you? God doesn't call you to do anything. And he has called every one of you to do something. God doesn't call you to do anything, but he, what he doesn't perfectly equip that you to do it. Did you hear me? I said that really badly. <laughs> God doesn't call you to do anything, but what he doesn't perfectly equip you to do it. You say, but I didn't go to seminary. Good. That's a positive. You say, but I, 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 I stutter. Let me tell you something. If God calls you to do something and you stutter, you can do it better than a person who speaks clearly. I'm emotional. I can't handle this confrontation. If God calls you to do it, dive in. I have a friend, David Ring. David has cerebral palsy. God called David Ring to be an evangelist. Go figure. You can hardly understand the man. You have to sit on the edge of your seat to not miss what he's saying. But when God called David, he responded. If he were standing in front of you today, David would say this to you. I can't even pronounce the name of Jesus. I'm not mocking him. I've done this presentation with him in the audience. I cannot pronounce the name of Jesus. Jesus. I cannot say his name. But I'm going to brag about Jesus until the day I die. And then he looks at his audience and he says, oh, What's your excuse? <laughs> Holy <laughs> mackerel! <Matthew. clears throat> there will be tens of thousands of people in eternity with God because David was faithful, or because David Ring was faithful. He didn't say to God, I can't talk. you got to get somebody else. They told him he wouldn't have any children. He had three beautiful children. They told him he'd never get married. No one would marry him. He married a beautiful woman. They told him he couldn't be an evangelist because nobody can understand him. He's been all over the world. and funny it's the kind of attitude I love hanging around people like that I went across the border to minister with him in Canada and at the border they stopped me for three and a half hours because they thought my videotapes were pornography (laughs) (laughs) evidently I got to look through those things again because I didn't (laughs) it isn't there and they didn't, have a, they didn't have a thing to play it on. I said, play one, for heaven's sakes. I'm a minister of the gospel. Well, this one looks a little suspicious. Oh, God, it just drove me nuts. See, folks, I'm going to be real with you right now. In situations like that, my Christianity sometimes just drains right out my shoes. <laughs> when David came across the border, I said to him, you see those people? And I pointed to those customs people. I said, if those people are going to be in heaven, I do not want to go. That's strong language. I mean, if I get to the gates of heaven, there's someone there with that little spanking thing. (laughs) David said, yes, there are very mean people. They caught him too. I don't know what was going on that day, but they stopped him at the border and they asked him, what's in those boxes? He had brought the story of his life and how God had changed his life. And he said, the tapes they have no compassion. The man said, how many? David said, I don't know. He said the man was without mercy. He said, count them. David looked at me, he got a little sparkle in his eye. He said, you know, suddenly my hand got worse. <laughs> he said, there are... Many people anxious to get into the border and I began to count, one, (laughs) two, he said, Ken, the man screamed at me, what's wrong with you? He said, I look at him and I said, hey, now you made me, you made me lose count. Who do you, who do you want to hang around with? You want to hang around with? someone who God called and went no I can't do it I have cerebral palsy can't do it or someone who God calls and says if you call I'm going Moses had one final excuse send somebody else and we understand that God's face got red God's answer to that is always the same. No. I've chosen you. In this great, great opportunity he has provided us to glorify him through our lives. He has called. Did you hear the ringtone? It's your number. Can you feel the vibration? I have no idea what he's called you to do but you know, don't you? And you turn your phone over and it has two options answer and ignore. What are you going to do? Let's bow our heads. Father, you used Moses to lead a broken and wounded people into the promised land. You used a devastated man with no confidence whatsoever and a bundle of excuses to glorify your name and today you've gotten our attention I pray God that we will have the courage and the wisdom to press answer and make a difference in our world and become everything you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Yeah. Amen. You may be seated as the uh, ushers come forward and get ready to uh, close the service with our communion time. Powerful stuff, huh? I'll tell you what, God has blessed this church. We may not be the smartest people in the world. We're the best looking, but not the smartest maybe. But uh, but God has really blessed us with some incredible people who come and share with us, huh? And it's great stuff. This is very, very cool. We're getting ready to uh, have our time of communion. This is when we focus on what Christianity is all about. This is the focal point of eternity when God sent his son the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world Jesus took on that cross what he did not deserve so you and I can get what we don't deserve which is forgiveness for our sins my question to you to put it in Ken's phraseology is are you answering the call? are you hearing God call you? maybe you hear this morning and say you know this is all fascinating this is interesting but I don't really know God like that you know you can this is why Jesus Christ died on that cross. His body broken so you could be healed. His blood was shed so it could wash away the stain of your sin. I'm going to invite everybody to bow your heads with me in a word of prayer just as we get ready to take communion here. We're going to pray a prayer together. And I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with us. If you'll believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can begin to experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And that you loved me so much, you went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.